Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, January 22nd, 2023, called Jesus Revealed, The Light Shines in the Darkness, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Well, God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Jesus. There's an outline if you'd like to follow along or jot something down. We're in the season of Epiphany. You see our light there? There's our star leading the way. The wise men kind of kick us off in Epiphany. The whole idea of it leading up to the season of Lent is Jesus is being revealed. The light's being shined. And so what's being revealed when that light happens? I'm going to tell you a little bit of a light story. So I was a New York City Boy Scout. Is that an oxymoron? I grew up in Queens, and I was a Boy Scout, and we camped in Joyce. That was what we did. So, uh, and so it's interesting. I had a scoutmaster. I had three scoutmasters during my time um, uh, in scouts. And I, and I was a scout until I was probably, I don't know, sophomore in high school, something like that. And uh, so in seventh, eighth, ninth grades, loved to go camping in the summer. Well, we had a scoutmaster who loved to go camping in the winter. And winter's not good in upstate New York and over there in New Jersey on the Hudson River. It's not good. Um, I don't like winter here. Um, I didn't like it then. It lingers. It's lasted with me. And here's the thing. So here's how camping would go. And part of the thing was my parents didn't have two nickels to rub together growing up, really. It just, you know, they were both working for the church and, you know, we lived in church housing and stuff like that. So the, the winter equipment I got was not good. And so we would come, so you show up, so 20 scouts or so, and you'd have, you know, two, three adult leaders. You'd load up, you get, get your stuff up, load your trailers and your cars up on Friday after school, right? So it'd be January, Friday after school, be 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. We'd load up, we'd head out, we'd go across the Cross Bronx Expressway, pray that you didn't break down, please don't break down, and you'd get into Jersey. And by the time you're getting into New Jersey, it's dark, and it is so dark. It's January or December or whenever. It's just dark, and it is cold, and then you get to your campsite, and you've got to set up camp. So you might have a couple of lean-tos already. I remember that a couple times, and you're constantly whacking your head into them. So this was my friend. This was not from then. This is replaced since that. That's, you know, that 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Here, have you ever, do you have one of these? These are great. You got to love this. How am I doing? Good, good. Check it out. Check it out. This is a cool one. Wait, 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 wait for it. Did it flash? Oh, it's not flashing. Okay, I'll leave it on like that. How that? Anyway, it's crazy when you're setting up camp, and, you, and so it's great if you have one of these. Not everybody had them, and I really didn't have one. I got one when I, like my last year. Because you hold a flashlight and try to set up a tent and nail things and get firewood and do, what, do whatever you're doing, and you're banging your head, and you're knocking your shins, and it's cold, and it's unpleasant, and then you finally go to bed, and you can't sleep all night, and what do you do, what do, you do the whole night? Wait for the light. Because then we can get up and light a fire, we can at least move around, but that pitch black in the dark, dark, dark of night, man, don't like it. We got a world in darkness. It's a lot of dark. 
And I'm so thankful, I was so thankful for this thing, that I could shine some light and find my way, that I could shine some light. Folks, I want you to know the purpose of the church in this season especially. One of our primary purposes is shine some light. And we really long that that, that light that we're shining is Jesus Christ. It has to be that. It has to be Jesus. So what I want to share with you here, both from Isaiah, because it's a dark spot in which you bang your shins, you wonk your head, you, get, you give up. You can despair in that darkness. I remember laying there in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, laying there, please, Lord, let this be over. I need some light. I need some warm, please. Um, and that darkness can be tough, and some of us might, might be in that. And you need to know that, too. And Jesus longs to bring that light in there because, man, if you even just saw the smallest light, boy, it gave you hope. You see that glow on the edge of the horizon? You see it's going to might take another hour before you get enough light to even see, but you could see that could give you hope. That's what we're hoping to do is bring some hope, bring some light because it's easy to fake it in the dark, but the bruises show. So anyway, if you'll follow along with me, I love this in in Isaiah, because what I really want to show you here, and and I didn't, I felt like I didn't do a good job of this at 830. I want to, so I hope hope that you'll be patient with me, and and because this is called the Great Commission of the Old Testament. Do you you know what the Great Commission is? You may not. it's It's a specific term, and we use it for Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says to his disciples, he's about to ascend. We use it in baptism all the time. These are the words of institution for baptism. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Powerful, wonderful promise. Every Christian church has that mission. If they don't, they're not a Christian church. Certainly not biblical, because that's the command of Christ. The irony is that it was already present in the Old Testament. The Great Commission was already present in the Old Testament. I want to shine a little light here. Shine a little light. Sometimes I hear from you, oh, I don't like the Old Testament. I don't want to read that. I would love to have more conversations with you, because when you find the jewels and the treasures of the gospel in the Old Testament, it is... It is like turning on a bright light in a very dark room. Because there can be some hard things there in that history. And so when you turn that light on, and this is one of those moments of light, check it out. So here's the word. Look at this in Isaiah. This is, by the way, (coughs) and forgive me for this maybe being Bible classy. I hope it's interesting. Oh, by the way, we have an app. Did you know that? Church Center. You can go download our church app. Here's the cool thing, especially for those of you at 11, because at 8.30, half of the people there don't know how to use a phone. So in... (laughs) In, if, in, this, in this one, you could download your app and you could be on your app and texting everybody and I wouldn't even know. I would think you're being very devout. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, I'm reading the scriptures here. Right? You know, so anyway, that's a joke. That's funny. You should laugh at that. Okay, so you can download that app. But here's the passage, Isaiah 49. There are four servant songs in Isaiah. They point to the servant of God who will save. And, they, and we talked about it last week in chapter 42. That was the first servant song. This is the second. The fourth one is the most powerful one because it talks about the suffering servant, right? That one. 
By his wounds we are healed. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. That's that powerful, powerful one. And that one completely blew them out of the water. They didn't want that one. But even in this one, this was a message that many of the Jews rejected. I mean, they rejected this. Because here's what it says. It's too small a thing. So this is God talking to his servant. Now, even if you think the servant of God is the nation of Israel, it's not. The grammar doesn't support it. The things they do doesn't support it. But even if you think that, imagine this, it's pointing to the Messiah. And, he, and here's God talking to his servant, our Messiah. It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, lest you think the Old Testament is, you know, mean and nasty and doesn't like, this is God's explicit word. I am sending my Messiah to redeem and restore the whole world, all people. All people are precious to me. Everyone, not just Israel. And you know, it's funny because Israel really got this wrong. They needed a light shown on this. Sometimes we need this in the church. Israel was like, oh yeah, okay, God will save the world. He saves us first. We're more important to him. We matter more to him. And then if God wants to save all those guys, all those heathen, fine. May that never be our habit, ever. That can never be us. That can never be us. You know, God likes us better. Likes us better than the rest of the world as pagans. Those people who don't love God. And those are exactly the people that Jesus Christ came to save. And so it, this is a light that needs to be revealed or turned on again, right? That's one of the neat thing about light switches. Sometimes you got to turn them on again to see new things. I found that out in the house. It's kind of crazy. Every time I hook up a new light and turn it on, I saw more stuff that needed correcting. And that's true in the Christian life too, isn't it? Every time I turn on a light, I see stuff that needs correcting. Thanks be to God, we got a Savior who isn't mad about that. And who loves to fix. Who loves to heal. The hard part is when it's Jesus going around turning on the lights. Hey, check that out, buddy. You got some fixing there. So in this one, point number one, it's a far, far greater mission. Now here's the challenge. For us in the church, we can make a mistake on one end or the other. I had an intern once in Portland. And he's like a practice pastor, a, a, a vicar. We call him a vicar, intern. And uh, wasn't ordained or anything, but he was assigned to us for, for a year. And he would come to my office and he would be mad at me. You're not passionate enough for the gospel. You don't, you don't care about the big things. We, this has to be a big thing. We have to save everybody in the community. We have to do this thing. And I said, dude, you think you're doing that by yourself? And I said, here's the deal. God has called us together as his people. And so here's a, here's a thing that I think happens to us in the church. The mission is so big we, we, we give up. Or we reduce the mission to something that's not important. And so the challenge is, is to, and here's the thing, I wish you had our view. See, I love this view. Where I get to stand up here and look at all of you. By the way, I know where you all sit, so Raskies, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> so, but it's the best view. Because as I look around here, this is what encourages me in my ministry and in my life. When I get down, this is how the devil talks to me. You're failing. 
there's fewer people coming to church. You're not a good enough communicator. You don't reach out well enough. You don't care well enough. That's how the devil talks to me. And boy, am I glad for Sundays. Because when I look out here, I go, thank God I ain't alone. Thank God that God has called us together as family to do his work. And so I don't want you to be daunted on either end of that spectrum. I don't want us to diminish the mission in such a way that we don't do it. And I don't want to be overwhelmed by the mission. This is the word that I love to give people. And this counsel I give every once in a while. When we get overwhelmed, do the thing in front of you. Because it's a thing which God has placed before you. Do the thing in front of you. I'll give you an example. So I love playing softball. And uh, for years and years, I had teams. Last year was the first time I didn't have a team. I didn't play softball in over 45, 42 years. Okay, long time. So that was hard. Building a house. I was busy. Um, but it was interesting because I missed it so much. Because you know what we do? We were the only church team in a whole Pocatello City directly. The only one. We were the only church team. So Grace Lutheran Royals. And I always did that on purpose. I don't like to play with the church team. They're meaner in the church league. They're meaner. So we play in the city league. <laughs> That's kind of a joke, too. It's kind of a joke. Okay. Although it's sort of true. Anyway, so, but I love to do it because we get a chance to do a witness. We get a chance to bear witness. The umpires in that league, they look, they would fight to ref our games. We're not throwing bats. We're not cussing them out. We don't come inebriated. We aren't fighting out, having a fight start at second base. We're just playing. I like to win, too. If you, anyone knows me, I like to win. But I like to bear witness to my Savior. Now, is that the fundamental mission of Jesus Christ, is for us to play softball in Pocatello? No. However, over the years, it's amazing the people I have seen in this place and who I have interacted in places who have said, you, you're the guys that play softball, or that meant something to me, or... You offered to pray for, for me and my kid because you heard they were sick. And so I just want you to know that. The mission of God is not overwhelming when we all simply do the thing which God has placed in front of us. That's all he asks. Second thing, where, where can we shine some light? We're going to move to the New Testament. We're going to move to the New Testament. So this is great. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And I'm just doing a little bit of teaching here because I do this in First Communion and I do it in Confirmation. So those of you that sat through that, forgive me, it's a little repeat. But not all, not all of you sit through my life in Christ class or through First Communion and so forth. When John the Baptist, there's this amazing scene in chapter one. Jesus has just been baptized and this is a big light bulb being turned on. Great big one. And it throws him for a loop a little bit. Because please remember, the Jewish people in Jesus' day were looking for someone to come out and kick the Romans out and reestablish them as the premier nation of God in the world. That meant power, influence, wealth, authority. That's what that meant, all those words. And they got it all wrong. And so there had to be a massive corrective. They were operating with that assumption. And you know what? We're guilty of this too. Sometimes we want God to just beat up our enemies. I'm tired of being on the low end of the totem pole. God, I want you to just, I want you to just whack those guys. Not me, of course. Them. And so, you know, we're kind of, or God is like an errand boy. Here's my list of stuff, God. Would you kind of do that stuff for me? You know, we, we have... That, the Jews were guilty of that too. So here's what happens. John the Baptist out in the wilderness 
points over at his cousin after the baptism and he goes, see that guy over there? You see that guy? That is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, all these Jewish people are theologians. We live in kind of a biblically illiterate time. It's okay. We keep teaching. Because here's the deal. They all knew exactly. There were two huge things that are wrapped up when John says, Lamb of God, sin of the world. <coughs> Forgive me. The first thing is this. Jews had two major festivals every year. They were the centerpiece of their society. Passover, Pesach, the, the Passover celebration, that was a, a combination of Thanksgiving and Independence Day rolled into one. So it was Thanksgiving. God had saved them from slavery in Egypt, preserved them from death, and guided them to a promised land, right? So it's like Thanksgiving and Fourth of July. And then the highest and most holy day of their year was in September, typically in September, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. When John the Baptist says this, behold the Lamb of God, when they hear Lamb of God, their minds immediately go to Passover. Because in Passover, God had instructed Moses, take a perfect lamb, no defect, perfect lamb, sacrifice it, take its blood, lintel, doorpost. <coughs> Forgive me. Lintel and doorpost. And when the angel of death comes, the angel of death comes, what will he do? Pass over you. You'll be preserved from the angel of death when he sees the blood of that spotless lamb, that perfect lamb, covering your home. So they get that. But then the second one, who takes away the sin of the world. On Yom Kippur, they pulled two goats out, two sacrificial goats. One they sacrificed immediately for a guilt offering. And then the high priest would take the time and lay his hands on the head of the other goat and put all the sins of the people from the previous year on there. I'm astounded that they think they can do that in a day. But they do. I guess it's general categories. And then they take that goat laden with all the sins of the people and he goes out in the wilderness. Oh, thanks. And he goes out into the wilderness to die. A scapegoat. That's how we get that term. A goat who is not to blame, who takes the blame. You know? And so here's the cool thing. John is saying everything is wrapped up and embodied in that one right there. You go follow him. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here's what you need to know. What was the light that was being shined there was not God as my culture warrior, God as who makes me better and smarter than everyone else, God who uh, I'm privileged uh, in this way. This is God who gives himself in your place that he might save you. Third thing, and, and this may seem silly to you, but I, I do this in class, but I'm going to make this point. John then goes on. It says the next day, so that's John, points over there. That's the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. That's the Passover lamb and the scapegoat wrapped up into one. By the way, that's the fundamental mission of God. God who sacrifices himself that you might be saved. There you go. And then he looks around. Here's John. The next day, he sees Jesus. And John kind of, this is the dinger paraphrase and reenactment. And he, he kind of, he's going along, wakes up, he sees Jesus. He stops. He goes, there's still dudes following me. Can, do you get where I'm going with this? What are you doing following me? That's the Lamb of God. Did I stutter? Stop following me. See, this is the thing. 
Was John doing good work? Yes. Was John godly? Was John the forerunner? Was he preparing the way? Yes. But when you have the bridegroom, don't miss him. Don't miss him. Here's my illustration. I, maybe this is a stupid one. When I, in the summer, I, was, I built a retaining wall because I was waiting so long for some subs. So I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I'll build a retaining wall. It was 152 feet long and it was seven courses high. Okay? That's a thing, by the way, with retaining. And I built it myself with some buddies. Uh, Josh helped. Josh was over there. I took three days to build this. You know how long it took to do the first course? Two days. And you know what you have to do? I mean, we only got about half, we got little, little more than half of it done in the whole first day. You're digging, you're preparing, you're, you're, you're uh, compacting, you're leveling, you take your string line, you add a little more gravel, you put some sand, you compact some more. Why? Why? Have you ever looked down a long... This, from here to the back of the sanctuary is about 80 feet. So it was about from here to the outside doors. That's about how long that retaining wall is. You look down that and you go, some drunken sailor built that. <laughs> right? You don't want that. So if you want to look down there and go, hmm, they did it right. You take your time. And that's what John is doing here. And so this is why I make this a point of the sermon. You know what can happen in the church? We can get lost. We can get lost in groups and, and entertainment and performance and technology. And, you know, we can get softball teams. You know, you get lost in all of that stuff and forget what John is saying. That's the Lamb of God. Don't forget it. We did stay to the church yesterday. It was the best activity I've done in about six months because it forced me to stop and ask my whole team, how has God been faithful? And we have three pages of stuff. Bullet, 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 bullet. Here's how God has been faithful. And it remind me of why we're here. We are here so that people might meet the Lamb of God and people might receive his gifts and be restored, that he might be our light, and in being light, bring life. And here's the last point. Here's the last point from this, how we're turning on light. We live in an era, and you might disagree with me, I think this is right, in which we allow other people to do our thinking for us way too much. Okay, did you get what I'm saying? We allow other people to do our thinking for us way too much. We hear a commentator, an opinion, and we go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that. And they're quoting somebody who's quoting somebody who's quoting somebody else. And we haven't read or examined the source. We haven't stopped and gone back and broken it down. We've gotten lazy. We've allowed our commentators and, and social movements to do our thinking for us, and we need to do our own thinking based on how God's revealed himself to us. Not to win an argument, not to be smarter, but to stand on the foundation of truth, on that first course that needs to be laid, to stand on that foundation. And how does that happen? How does that happen? Look at how Jesus does it. So those disciples do finally listen to John the Baptist, and they go follow Jesus. They took the cue, and they said, if he's a lamb of God, let's go follow him. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, 
What do you want? That, that can sound negative, doesn't it? What do you want? It's not that. It's like, what are you after? And they said, teacher, where are you staying? In other words, we'd like to stay, we'd like to stay with you. Come, he replied, and you will see. Now, this is the cool word here. Jesus' invitation is not, well, you should go read that, or you should go do that. Be with me. Come and see. Come and see. Because you know what they said about Jesus? If you're just quoting commentators, and you're letting other people form your opinions for you, you know that Jesus, they said, lawbreaker, hates the Sabbath, heretic, blasphemer, demon-possessed, megalomaniac. All those things were said of Jesus Christ. Are you going to take their word for it? Or are you going to go to the source? Because when that light is turned on, when that Jesus is turned on, boy, it reveals a whole Jesus, a full Jesus, a complete Jesus, a fully divine and fully human, a Savior who takes on all our sins. But it also reveals us. And it reveals us in a way not to diminish us, not to make us feel horrible, but to remind us how valuable we are. But it also shines a light on others so that we can see others like Jesus does, so that we see how valuable they are as well. And that light, my friends, it shines in the darkness and nothing is overcome. To God be the glory. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.